For every Carlos Rodon, there's often a Tommy Lastella. Some players are going to have huge overperforming season and some seasons, and some players are going to underperform. So, who are the candidates on the 2023 Giants? We'll get into it next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspick, and on the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, we're going to dip into some mailbag questions. And the first one coming from NDE The Rock who says, usually every year one player has a career year and one has a year to forget. Who are those two players potentially this year? And so I mentioned in the open there, Carlos Rodon and Tommy LaStella. I think those are kind of two good examples. I mean, for Rodon, we we could see it coming. I mean, I probably would have said him having a career year after he showed a lot of promise in 2021, but there was some uncertainty and that's why they were able to get him on a short-term deal. But going into 2023, it's much easier for me to find candidates to have career years than it is for me to find candidates to have years to forget. And that I'm not like being a total homer when I say that. What I mean is the floor of this team is relatively high. Like they don't have a lot of players who are quote unquote like bad players. I think so there's a lot of guys who could go off. Like it wouldn't be hard to see at all. Michael Conforto having a big year. Mitch Hanniger having a big year. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. rebounding. Tyro Estrada taking a step forward. And on the pitching side, I mean, I think a lot of guys have potential. But I guess actually I'm going to go in terms of career year. The guy for me is Alex Cobb because, and if you listen to the show all the time, you have heard me say this a million times, but you know, the peripheral numbers for Cobb last year were just so good. And normally those are better at predicting pu- uh, future, future performance than like ERA. So if you have a fielding independent pitching of 2.80, which he had last year, that basically suggests you kind of deserved an ERA of 2.80. But actually, in reality, his ERA was 3.73, almost a run higher. The expected ERA, which is just another indicator of kind of predicting what performance should have been deserved for Cobb was 3.15. Again, much lower than the 3.73 ERA. And so yes, Cobb is 35. He's going to turn 36 in October. So, you know, you you should also probably expect some decline as he continues to go through his career here. Yet, I'm going to go with him having the career year and just maybe having the actual results match up with what he was able to do with these quote-unquote peripheral numbers last season. And then in terms of season to forget, I mean, it's tough to pin down, but I'm going to, the guy, I'm going with a couple of young guys who I have some skepticism about. I mean, you all, you all know my my Joey Bart skepticism runs deep, but I'm, I'm going to say David VR. Uh, 
and not that I'm rooting for this and not that I think it's like super likely, but it's what I'm saying. Like there's not a lot of guys who are obvious candidates to have a year to forget. When I look at Jock Peterson, Mitch Haniger, Mike Yastrzemski, I mean, he had a, he's already had a couple years to forget. And so I don't know if including him to have another down year is really the kind of hot take you may be looking for. But for VR, I'm 100% behind this guy. I really hope he figures it out, but I'm not convinced. And so he's got to prove it, and we're going to find out. But I, I hate to say it. I hate to say anybody like is going to have a year to forget. I think I'm not super confident in Joey Bart having a great season either. I think the swing and miss and the strikeouts are just a big problem. And until he figures that out, it's going to continue to be a struggle for him. And so I'd probably have him first in terms of a year to forget. But again, these guys, these are young guys. So if they really struggle, they're not going to get overexposed. And so when you talk about someone who's going to be in the lineup every day and have a down year, I don't know. I mean, you could point to a guy like Brandon Crawford, but it happened last year. So I don't know if that's like a, like, I don't know if that actually answers the question because he already had a down year. So anyway, I'm going with the young guys. I believe in uh, the young talent the Giants have on the way, but for Bart, we'll see. For VR, it's he's still got to prove it. And I hope I'm wrong when I make that prediction. Next question comes from Jason, who says, let's talk about the Rule 5 draft, specifically Blake Sable. He's an interesting interesting profile. What are the possible scenarios for Rule 5 guys? Been watching baseball a long time and still confused. Yeah, I don't blame you. It is a little bit uh, confusing, but it's actually pretty straightforward even though it's confusing in that there aren't a lot of possibilities for Blake Sable. The only like, okay, so he was a rule five pick, not by the Giants, but by the Reds. And then the Giants went out and traded for him immediately. But his status as a rule five pick doesn't change. And so those same rules apply. And what the rules are is simple. He has to be on the major league roster all season or else the Giants have to offer him back to the team he was taken from originally, which was the Pirates. And so Blake Sable must make the opening day roster or else he's going to be gone, basically. And when they're offered back, they get taken back almost all the time. And so, yeah, Blake Sable is an interesting profile. We just talked about how I believe there's still concern about Joey Bart and a guy like Sable, who's a catcher, and having a nice spring and has to make the team, it's definitely, it gives him, I don't know if it gives him an, like a huge advantage, but it, it makes like, it forces the issue. They, they, if they like you, they have no choice but to put you in the major league team as opposed to, you know, a lot of young players. He's by definition, rule five picks have never played in the major leagues before. And he, uh, you know, when you have your own young players, they come with minor league options, but you cannot option Rule 5 players. And so almost never do Rule 5 players kind of stick on a major league team all season long, and even more almost never do they become like good players. And so there, it's always a long shot, but for teams, it's like a worthwhile gamble because you're basically getting a intriguing young player for like almost no cost. And uh, so that's why teams do it. But Generally speaking, they they face an uphill battle when it comes to sticking. I think of Connor Joe, right? Remember the Connor Joe quote unquote controversy from 2019? Similarly acquired. He was a Rule 5 pick. I think it was also by the Reds, and the Giants traded for him, and then he made the team. And 
he struggled for like a week and they offered him back and then he went back to the Dodgers and then he ended up on the Rockies and now he's had a solid major league career. But anyway, Sable might actually make this team. And so it's it's fascinating to continue to follow the catcher competition. It's one of the most interesting things going on in camp this year. And so that's the that's the deal. He's either and, and like if he gets hurt, that's okay. Like you don't have to keep him on the roster even if he's on the injured list. You can put him on the injured list, but you just can't like send him down. He has to be in the major leagues or on the major league kind of injured list all season. And then once you do that, if he makes it through a whole season, then you you kind of gain the rights to the player and they don't have to be in the majors all season in future years. I think you then get those minor league options that would come if he had been your own player originally. So anyway, next question is going to come from H, who's going to ask about the time frame of performance for evaluation and specifically at the catcher position. Like, when do we make these calls about who uh, needs to be sent, sent down and who's struggling? And is it just a blip or is it something more permanent? So we'll get to that question in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories? You've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays somewhat recently, and I know a goal of mine is always to eat a little bit healthier. And with Built, I'm able to do it all year long and stick to that resolution because you don't have to sacrifice taste in order to get a healthy profile. And that's usually the biggest issue. And we are talking like candy bar flavors from Built Bar, and yet a very healthy profile, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in a typical bar. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box either. You can head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club today. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs, or if you're near Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. All right, here we go. We're going to get to more questions and answers. I still hate that I said David VR to have a down year. It's just like maybe there's a lot of belief that he's going to just be great or something. I don't know that maybe there's not, but it's just young players have to prove themselves. And I really hope he does. He seems like a good good guy and just kind of level-headed, just kind of good perspective. And, and I really hope that it works out. But uh, he's got to prove it. Anyway, uh, the next question comes from H, who said, what would you consider a time frame for performance? Like with the catcher situation, how long do we give Joey Bart as opposed to another catcher like Sable or Wins? I know they're all vying for the top position, but interested to hear your thoughts. And this is where Sable's status as a Rule 5 pick comes into play, because I don't know if you mean like spring training performance, because we just recently talked about how like Joey Bart has always done well in spring and when I say always I mean every single year he's been in major league camp and when I say he's done well I mean exceptionally well he's got a career on base percentage of like 460 and a slugging of like 700 in spring so he just always tears it up and so my point was like look if he does it again this spring it doesn't necessarily mean that that's that that translates to major league performance and so there's other stuff that they're looking at Besides just those raw numbers. But when you say, like, what is what is a time frame for performance? At the major league level, it can be somewhat quick. And, and because it's 
some of the stuff that like Joey Bart, for example, struggles with is stuff that stabilizes relatively quickly. And that's something like a strikeout rate. There's a lot of stuff in baseball that takes a long time to stabilize Batting average on balls in play can fluctuate. Home run to fly ball ratio can take a long time uh, to normalize and can kind of be a luck or bad luck indicator. But if you're striking out 45% of the time through, you know, 50 plate appearances on the season, you clearly have a strikeout problem. There's just no, you don't really fluke your way into uh, striking out a ton in a pretty small amount of time. And walk rate is similar. And so, in terms of a time frame, I mean, I think we saw it last year. They gave Bart basically a couple of months. And after a couple of months, it was clear that he had a strikeout problem. He was just swinging and missing, swinging and missing in the zone and just striking out for long periods of close to half the time. And league average is like 22%. And so he was like doubled the league average in terms of striking out. And so uh, it doesn't take long to see that. And so if he does make the opening day roster, which I think he's probably a favorite, he and Roberto Perez would be my guesses. But like I said, with Sable, if they really like Sable, he has to make the team. And so my my original prediction for like uh, the 26 man roster, which we did a couple weeks ago when spring training opened, was like a hot take that it was going to be Roberto Perez and Blake Sable because Joey Bart can be sent down and Blake Sable, if they like him, they have to have him in the major leagues. They could opt to go with three catchers. They have some off days in the first couple weeks of the season. And so they could, you know, be short one reliever and just carry Bart and Perez and Sable. And also Sable can play the outfield. But anyway, it doesn't take long. And but if Bart, you know, if he's not striking out a lot, but some of the other performance isn't good, my my opinion is that if Bart were to strike out like under 30% of the time, he would be fine. And that his kind of offensive skills with all the power he has would play much better. But the issue is he hasn't been able to do that. And so I think it wouldn't take long to be able to, de- to determine. Uh, and then for a guy like Sable, like let's just say he did make the major league roster and then I don't think he's going to have a big strikeout problem, but you might see poor performance from a guy who's never played in the major leagues before. And so, I don't know, we're usually talking about at least like three weeks before you get some kind of stabilization and more like a couple months before you really can make an evaluation. But as we saw with Connor Joe, if you have a horrible first week and you're a Rule 5 guy and you're just dragging the team down, they'll make a move quickly. And so... It kind of depends. I'll be, you know, doing daily podcasts throughout the season. And it just contextually, depending on what numbers are good, what numbers are bad, what the at bat quality looks like, it's going to depend. And so if you listen every day, we'll break it down each and every day, depending on how's it, how it's going. Anyway, the next question comes from Hayden, who says, do you think the Giants would be buyers or sellers if the season is at either a high or at a low or at a low come the deadline? Do we have the minor league pieces to go all in or should we bolster the farm given the chance? So this question is somewhat easy to answer because the Giants have not really been sellers ever under Farhan Zaidi, even during years in which they were like around 500 or below 500, somewhat out of the race. They've never been like slam dunk out of the race, like 15 games out of a playoff spot at any point in any of Farhan Zaidi's seasons. But even when they were kind of out of it, they did like, 
I don't want to say a mixture of buying and selling. Like I think of last year, they did some modest selling, even though they could have traded Carlos Rodon, they didn't. And, you know, they traded Darren Ruff. That looks like a really savvy move, by the way. And they, you know, they traded Trevor Rosenthal, who they had just signed and who never even had played for them. They traded Kurt Casale and Matthew Boyd. So a bunch of minor selling moves. And then when they, uh, let's just think back to 2019, when they had Madison Bumgarner and Will Smith, the reliever, on expiring deals at the end of the year, uh, Farhan Zaidi's first trade deadline with the Giants, and that he could have traded those guys, and he didn't. He ended up trading Drew Pomeranz for Mauricio Dubon, and you know they also made some small buying moves like for Scooter Jeanette. And so I think if you're going to see selling, I don't see this year's team being the team that's like 15 games out of a playoff spot at the deadline. I think if anything, they'll be on the fringes. If anything negative, they'll be kind of similar to last year where they're, uh, you know, close to 500 close to a playoff spot and more likely maybe in better position than that and in a position to be a buyer and when they were in a position to be a buyer they made one of the biggest moves of the deadline a couple years ago with uh, the acquisition of Chris Bryant and do we have the pieces to go all in no I don't think that the Giants are in a position I said this last year when I came around to thinking about it that going after Juan Soto didn't really Look, it's hard for me to say don't get Juan Soto, but you'd be for a player like that who had so many years of team control left, two and a half years left, the cost was just so high. It basically would have been Harrison, Luciano, Matos, just Doval, like everybody of value in your farm system would be going to the Nationals there. But you'll note that uh, the Chris Bryant trade didn't cost them all that much at all. Caleb Killian and Alexander Canario. So look, those are nice complimentary prospects, but they're not Kyle Harrison, Marco Luciano type prospects. And the difference is Chris Bryant was a free agent at the end of the season. And so that makes all the difference in the world is how many, how much team control are you getting when you acquire the player? And so I think they're, yes, they're in a position to take on a rental player a la Chris Bryant last year, where you're getting a good player, but it doesn't cost you a huge prospect return. But I don't think they're in position to go if a you know one of those Juan Soto types becomes available. I don't think that it would make sense to give up on all their young talent that they've spent years kind of trying to accumulate here for one player who's under club control for like a couple years. That's just my opinion. But if they're in a position to buy, I think there are, there are savvy moves you can make. And if you target guys who are on expiring deals, which are often the guys who get traded, and there's that's why they're traded, is because the team, like the Cubs in 2021, are out of contention. And they're like, hey, we want to get something for this guy instead of letting him just reach free agency and then walk away for nothing. So I could see them doing that something like that again. And we'll at some point look at who are possible targets who are going to be on expiring deals. And who would make sense in that scenario? Shohei Otani is the biggest one. He's a rental in that he's a free agent at the end of the 2023 season. I doubt he gets traded, but if he is traded, I mean, it would be very, very interesting because the talent is so great, but it is just like two months of a player. And so the cost would be probably somewhere in between what Juan Soto cost and what Chris Bryant cost. So there you have it. So coming up in just a minute, the Giants have... So many starting pitchers. What is the order going to be of this starting rotation? Are, is there even enough? 
Are there even enough spots for all the different starters the Giants have in that rotation? We'll get into it in just a minute. But first, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've used it myself and it is so convenient and so easy to use both when you're hiring and when you're looking for a job yourself. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs, number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, as promised, we're going to get to some more questions and answers. Klaus says, who are the anticipated starters in order to through six. So obviously the assumption here is that Logan Webb is number one. There was some question last year with Carlos Rodon, but there's no question this year that Logan Webb would be that number one guy, assuming health. Uh, For me, this is a really hard question and I'm kind of just like pulling names out of a hat because they do have so many guys who kind of fit that category to me of like a mid-rotation starter. So I think Alex Cobb, as I said when I was predicting that he's going to have uh, the breakout season at age 35, I think for me, he he's pretty clearly the number two right now, given those exceptionally good peripheral numbers from last year. But then in order, you know, everybody after that, it's hard to say because you've got, I think it's probably Ross Stripling because he's coming off and in terms of number three, because he's coming off the best season of all these other guys. Because when we look at Sean Manaya, Alex Wood, Anthony DiSclefani, uh, they are all coming off down years and or injuries. You know, DiSclefani injury, Wood down year and injury, Manaya down year. So I think Stripling is probably number three. And then I'd probably want to throw in a lefty. So we're not going four righties in a row there. And so it'd be either Manaya or Wood. Uh, that's a tough call. I mean, again, these guys are really similar in a lot of ways. Maybe they give the preferential treatment to the guy who's been here longer. They give it to Wood as the number four. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe you go Manaya afterwards and then Di Scalfani after that because Di Scalfani is coming off the ankle injury and you're going to have to kind of baby him a little bit perhaps. Although he's actually been a full go and was thrown hard and, quote, moving well in his recent spring start. But... I don't know if they're going to go with a six-man rotation because that's six guys. I think Junis is going to be in the bullpen, but I would imagine that they're probably going to piggyback some of these guys. Maybe like Wood and DiSclefani get piggybacked. So maybe it goes like Webb, Cobb, Stripling, Manaya, and then the fifth spot is like a game where Alex Wood starts and goes a couple times through the order and then DiSclefani kind of finishes the game. So something like that. I don't think it matters all that much what the order is. I think we make generally too big of a deal out of that. And then throughout the course of the season, guys miss a start or whatever, and the orders get thrown out of whack anyway. You don't like all through the season, like align with number one versus number one from the other team, number two versus number two from the other team. It gets, you know, messed up real quick. And so I don't put too much weight into that, but it is, it's fun to talk about, I guess, at this time of year. 
Next question from The White Cran, who says, what's your realistic projections for Sean Mania? Can he return to the player he was with the A's under uh, pitching coach Andrew Bailey? So I hope so, because, I mean, he was so bad when we look at the earned run average. But think about Alex Wood, too. You know, that's who comes to mind. Like, Alex Wood had an ERA of 5.10 last year, I think it was. And Sean Mania, I'm looking at it now, had a 4.96 in 2022. But, you know, before in the year before that, he had a 3.91 with a fielding independent pitching of 3.66. And the expected ERA for Manaya last year was almost a run lower than the actual ERA. And so realistically, I don't know, Manaya's career norm is just about league average. And so given the Giants' track record of getting the most out of pitchers, yeah, I think it it wouldn't be much too much to expect at all for him to have a rebound season where he gets back to being similar to what he was at his best with the A's. His best season coming in 2018 I would say in terms of run prevention, but actually the peripherals were not as good as they were in 2021. So a guy who can have an ERA, I think kind of best case scenario is like a mid threes ERA and maybe high mid to high threes is somewhat realistic. And yeah, so I'll go like 3.76 or something as a, as a somewhat realistic and perhaps a little bit optimistic 3.8. 3.85 as kind of maybe somewhere in that range, 3.8-ish type player. I think there's no reason to think he couldn't get back to being what he was with the Oakland A's. The Giants do have a not perfect, but good track record of getting the most out of pitchers. And from all indications, Manaya's looking good in spring and throwing harder. And, you know, if he can throw harder, perhaps he can exceed what he's ever done in Oakland. So we shall see. But... I wouldn't expect him to be as bad as he was last year with the Padres. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked on Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network where it's your team every day. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review, also hitting the subscribe button. So thank you so much in advance and thanks to everyone who's done so done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.